0: You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL Jackson. This morning on Opera for Everyone, we're going to be listening to Lohengrin by Richard Wagner. I'm your host, Keely Heron.
1: And I'm Grant Wright.
0: And um, in today's performance, we'll just be taking another look at Wagner. Um, And playing right now underneath uh, the vocals here is uh, the overture, the opening, the prelude um, to Wagner. And today's version is uh, a version recorded by um, Rudolf Kemp um, in 1964 at the Vienna Opera House. And it's largely considered to be one of the um, best recordings of Lohengrin. It was recorded with the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra and the Vienna State Opera. And we'll just have a listen here to the prelude and get started. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 891 KHOL. Today on Opera for Everyone, we're listening to Lohengrin by Richard Wagner. And uh, we've been listening to the prelude to Act One. Um, Again, this was a version of Lohengrin that was recorded in 1964, conducted by Rudolf Kemp at the Vienna Opera House. And, uh, Grant, what do we know? About Lohengrin and Wagner and this story
1: yeah, I mean it's a it's a very old story. It ties in with uh, the Arthurian legends, you know we're familiar with King Arthur and Lancelot and all that stuff. Um, and uh, the search for the Holy Grail, which is part of the background to this story. Really? Yeah, the uh, uh, primary character. Who goes nameless throughout the entire story? Right, he's
0: a mystery man.
1: But uh, but his name's kind of given away by the title, so it's not much of a
0: mystery. Well, it, he's a mystery to Elsa <laughs> and to the rest of her uh, entourage, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, it's uh, there's a bit of dramatic irony that you know by showing up and purchasing tickets to this, we know, of course, who who it is and uh, who they're talking to.
0: But the rest of them are in the dark throughout the entire but opera. They
1: have no idea. He's just. The night.
0: He's the knight. So this opera, Lohengrin, is set in Antwerp, circa the nine, 900s. Is that, is that right? Yeah. And uh, it's on the banks of the Scheldt River, which is outside of, of Antwerp, about I don't know how many miles southwest, I think, of, of Antwerp. I actually looked it up on the Google Maps. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I know because after after last week's episode with <laughs> Venusberg and me thinking that it wasn't a real place, I was <laughs> compelled to see if this place actually existed. Um, and so do you want to just go ahead and set up kind of what what is going to happen here?
1: Yeah. So this is, um, I mean, as a as an overarching plot, this is uh, it's actually a, very similar to to Orpheus. We were talking about the Orpheus story and L'Orefeo, uh the story of In Orpheus, it's this musician who seeks to recover his lost love, and she's able to escape the underworld with his aid under the condition that he doesn't look at her, and he, of course, does look at her, and she is banished He He can
0: lead her out of the underworld as long as he doesn't look back.
1: And this is a sort of similar story. There's this knight who appears out of the fog and the mist of legend and comes to the rescue of a very real princess but she's given very strict instruction that she's not to try and inquire as to his identity
0: right and so our heroine's name is elsa and she is the supposed heir to the throne of the the duchy there right the yeah. dukedom yeah it's a duchy so um and why is it called a duchy grant I've never understood this. It's a dukedom, but it's a duchy, and why? I mean, that's kind of an odd word, isn't it?
1: It is an odd word. It's just it's it's part of the the feudal hierarchy. It comes from the Greek word uh, dux, which is the you know is a, a, a an official with a certain level of authority. Most of this most of these words come from uh, either Germanic tribal society or they come from uh, the Roman Empire and Dux is one of the ones that comes from the Roman Empire in its eastern form.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. And I learn something new every show. <laughs> every show, Grant. Um okay, so the 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 music is uh, or the vocals, the story is beginning to be told here um as we're hearing. And can we just set up a little bit about what's what's going on in the
1: Uh yeah, so in the story. So it's um well, it's a story right out of legend. There's a kingdom and it's under attack and a king who must defend it at all costs. And there's a uh, woman who's the, the princess, Elsa. Her uh, brother is the rightful... Gottfried. And he's the, he's the rightful duke, but he's, uh, he's disappeared he's for all intents and purposes. There's a big question as to whose fault it is. And her guardian, you know, her evil uncle, as it were, right is saying oh, it was her, you should dispossess her so that I can be Duke and right. rule over the land.
0: And so his name is Frederick of Talramund, and his wife, she's, a, she's trouble. So we've got another, um, similar to last week when we were listening to Tannhauser, there was a sort of this evil... Was that in Townhouseer? There was an evil woman. Yeah,
1: there's oh, uh, evil. Well, I mean, yes, in a few of them actually. It's kind of a theme. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, in, in townhauser there's there's an, an evil woman, similarly representing this kind of pagan. Yeah, the old and, school,
0: the pagan gods.
1: Yeah. You know, temptation of the sexual and idolatrous and uh, you know in this case, uh, violent and dispossessing kind. She she at various uh, points it uh, invokes pagan powers and praise to the, the god uh, Wotan or Odin as we right
0: and Freya to. and Freya the uh, old Norse gods
1: yeah exactly
0: okay so so let's just let's just get the uh the the basic story here so King Henry uh, the Fowler comes back to Brabant right yep and uh, discovers that the dukedom is in jeopardy. And um, so they're there, and Frederick of Taurimund, the evil uncle with the evil wife, Ortrud, um, they they discover that Gottfried, who is the rightful heir, has disappeared, and Frederick and Ortrud are saying, it's Elsa, Elsa killed him, and now we should be in charge, right? Yeah. And so then they basically say, in order for her to reassert her authority as the heir to the throne she needs to basically fight frederick for it yeah basically trial by
1: combat trial is how they by combat just like
0: us. on game of thrones <laughs> and so they say like who will who will fight for elsa
1: and there's a first strike and no one answers and there's a second strike and no one answers and then suddenly right out of the mist on the boat drawn by a swan.
0: And and before that, we hear one of the very first major oh. arias of the opera where Elsa is is saying I I I know who will fight for me. There's a man, there's a there's a knight. And so that's
1: who she's only ever seen in a dream. In Isn't that beautiful and romantic?
0: Yes. <laughs> so it's Elsa's dream and this is one of the um one of the major arias of the of the opera and she she basically tells the story of her dream in which a knight a white knight was sent by God to defend her. And so that, that sets up Elsa's dream. Should we have a listen? Let's have a listen. All right. Let me find it first. It was Ein Einsem Entruben... Hagen is the the German, and the Google Translate of that, the Google machine says it's uh, lonely and gloomy days.
1: Kind of rough.
0: But this is um, Elsa's Dream from Lohengrin by Richard Wagner. And when was this opera written? When did it debut? Uh,
1: It premiered in uh, 1850. So it's it's part of the same middle body of work that we we find represented with Tannhäuser. There's there's mm-hmm. early Wagner, there's middle Wagner, and there's late Wagner, and because he's such uh, Wagner that is is such a musical revolutionary, there's quite actually a significant difference between the earlier, middle, and later uh, pieces that you find. So the Ring Cycle, familiar mm-hmm. to most people, is well both a, a remarkable piece of music and just a work of art of just unimaginable scale it's just Mm
2: -hmm.
3: because
0: it's like eight hours long right (laughs) right it's basically like you've got to like take a nap have lunch (laughs) take another nap go make sure you bring snacks take another take several opera naps but it it, it, how long is the entire ring cycle if you sat and listened to it in one
1: many many hours i mean it's it's actually a little like like uh, Henry the Sixth that way, right? So the the Shakespeare play that no one ever produces. It's just taking three Shakespeare plays that no one ever produces because you just have to kind of like kill an entire day if you're actually going to watch them all the way through. Um, now the Ring Cycle, of course, is produced, uh, but uh, that's because the parts are are taken are taken separately. Anyway, that's that's the the late work. This is this is still part of this this middle period and. A lot of what's going on in with Wagner in this in this period is this conflict between Christianity and paganism and this question of what the spiritual nature and fate of Germany is.
0: Right. And and this opera is his exploration of that sort of discussion that's happening cr- in a current fashion in his lifetime.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Right. And so as um As we get back to the music here, again, this is Elsa's Dream, and the German is Einsam in Trubentagen, which uh, the Google translation is Lonely and Gloomy Days. Um, And so we're going to listen to Elsa's Dream on Opera for Everyone from Lohengrin by Wagner.
4: i i you. She probably ihr hört, fun vor She was Keiner andern Hut, als in der deinen, möchte ich die
0: You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. Today on Opera for Everyone, we are listening to Lohengrin by Wagner, and uh, we've just heard the evil Friedrich challenging Elsa's, I guess, right to the throne. Right, Grant?
1: Yeah, he's 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 saying that she murdered her her brother,
0: brother fratricide,
1: and uh, and that's that's big bad news. And it's sort of this funny dynamic between uh, Friedrich and the king, because the king, Friedrich is a great warrior, mm-hmm. and the king is besieged on all sides by uh, the various pagan... challengers to the throne. Well, challengers to the throne, and the, and the, in fact, like they're at this point in history, they're they're on the the frontier of Christendom. So, uh, the the Danish threat, the Viking threat. Um, is one of the things that Friedrich has has won great battles uh, oh. against, and so the king is actually, in spite of the fact that Friedrich is at, at, at every point villainous in this entire opera, the king keeps talking about what a great guy Friedrich is because he's kind of buttering him up a little mm-hmm. bit. He wants him to play ball and <laughs> stay on sure. stay on his team, right?
0: <laughs> so, okay, so so King Henrik or mm-hmm. Henry is is the king of this region and this this area is it Brabant is yes. the is the is the dukedom that is now uh, threatened because um, the duke has died i guess and Elsa and Gottfried were the right heirs to that that throne but Frederick of Telramund was the duke's brother and he's returned to challenge Elsa's right to that throne saying or it's not a throne it's a dukedom yeah. She would be a duchess. Right. Um and so he's challenged that and he's saying Elsa you don't have any right to be the duchess blah 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 I should and um so they're kind of fighting about that and they said okay well if you want to be the duchess then you've got to fight for it and so Elsa has had this dream where a white knight appeared and um and would be her her champion. Yeah. And 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 then what happens?
1: (laughs) And uh, so then there's this a bit there's a bit of back and forth here about the 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 challenge to the duel and the fact that the king is in a position he really doesn't want to be in because this poor princess is about to be disinherited um, by her uncle thuggish guy. But the thuggish guy is really really useful to the king, so he doesn't want him going anywhere. Right. And so. Then there's this decision to, to have it resolved by trial of combat, which is kind of a, a sneaky way out for the king, right? Because he's like, well, I guess I can resolve this simply by having the guy who's really good at fighting do a fight. And I'm sure that'll just all work itself out.
0: It's like Friday Night Fights, or it's like it's like Vegas <laughs> with like some great big prize fight.
1: Yeah, I mean that you know they kinda in this in this time in this culture like that was that was that entertainment was a kind of entertainment. That yeah, that was for a sure.
0: legit thing to do. It's like popcorn. I'm gonna you know take my lady. We're gonna go. We're gonna watch people try and kill each other. I mean this is nine nine hundred
3: of yeah, the
0: common era.
1: Exactly. This is oh uh, you know a thousand years before Wagner was was writing about it. Mm. Um, and it's. It's representing this this time again, you know, the transition between these Germanic pagan tribes, uh, Germanic, mm-hmm. both in terms of the people and the language they were they spoke, but also in terms of their religion, what, mm-hmm. they, what we call mm-hmm. Germanic religion, mm-hmm. uh, you know, similar to related to what we talk about as Norse religion. And uh, so were the, the Norse gods. The
0: Germanic they were similar to Freya and Odin and all the gods. Yes, I see. Interesting.
1: Yeah, they 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 worshipped the the same pantheon. We think of the. The Norse, you know, Vikings and uh, that kind of culture, the Danish and the Norwegians and so on. But it, it really was a, a common culture to that area. The Vikings we mostly hear about because they were the ones once most people had kind of come on board with this whole Christianity thing. Mm-hmm. and so on and so forth they were the ones who said no we're we're going to we're going to get in boats and we're going to raid people we're going <laughs> to just right.
0: And so ground zero for Christianity more or less was Rome right i mean and it spread kind of from Rome
1: well it kind of depends on uh, on who you talk to it's if you talk to anyone from the Eastern Orthodox Church they're going to tell you that uh, Christianity started in the east but f- as far as as far as this world and these people are concerned mm-hmm. the center of Christendom uh, certainly by this time is and did and they the say, I mean,
0: did they say Christendom? Was that actually a word?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, that was. That They're was, like, that we was
0: we're in Christendom and we're on the.
1: A distinct thought is that, the you know, a large part of the whole idea of knights and chivalry and all that is based in this time in these places when the actual job of a certain class of people.
0: Was to fight.
1: Was to fight, and at least in theory, to defend you know the the weak, and to defend women, and to defend people who couldn't defend themselves against uh, barbarous raiders. That's not necessarily how it went in real life, but it was at least the theory. That was the of that was the
0: thinking. Idea. So in this case, we have Frederick of Talramund and his evil wife Ortrude, who are kind of like trying to finagle their way into the duchy, right? And say yeah. and casting aspersions on Elsa and saying, "No, she's a horrible person. She killed her brother." Blah blah blah. Also has this dream where she gets saved by a white knight, and she's going to have to have a champion fight for her against her uncle who wants to take over the the duchy. And um, so then we're setting up the the next uh, big aria here is when the knight appears. Yes. And so they're on the banks of the, the river or a lake? Is it a river? Or? B- a body of water. They're on the banks of a body of water, and Elsa has sunk to her knees and is praying for someone to come and be her champion. And then what happens? Great.
1: And then, out of the river, a boat drawn by a single beautiful swan approaches, and a knight in silver armor dismounts from it. And that's how... Uh, Act 1, scene 3 begins, is with this, this character literally out of legend. We don't know this yet, but we do eventually learn he is, he is a, a knight of the grail.
0: Right, and that's what you were referring to, like this King Arthur and the grail and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so we don't know who this mysterious white knight is appearing drawn on a boat, drawn by a swan. Because that just happens.
1: Yeah. It, it. If I'm if I'm Friedrich right now, I'm just like a little Pet. anxious because yeah. you're you peeved. know. Yeah, you're you're like you're like okay. I got this trial by combat. Like you know, all the guys who are there, and there's lots of soldiers there, right? Right. No one steps to her defense right. because everyone understands that to do so is a death sentence.
0: Right. Because Friedrich is just gonna cut him up like sausage. Yeah. Mm. But then.
1: But then this, this then the white Knight comes white Knight comes out of a yeah it's a it's a beautiful thing and it's uh, this this image uh, pervades parts of German folklore um, one of the most beautiful castles in the whole world is actually built around the time that, that Wagner's writing this and uh, it's basically it's, it's it's I cannot for the life of me pronounce the German name for it but it's new Swan castle
0: new Schwanstein uh,
1: yeah and it's just this unbelievable sight it's
0: basically the one that all the like disney Disney castles are based on right (laughs) Right. so that's where that's where we are in your head you're picturing yourself on a bank of a body of water at the base of the disney castle (laughs) and a boat that is drawn by a swan like rocks up on the shore with a knight being like hey i'm gonna fight for you (laughs) um okay so let's listen to that and this is this is the appearance of 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 the night um in Wagner's Lohengrin uh, on opera for everyone. You're listening to eighty nine one k h o l. It's him. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and today on Opera for Everyone, we're listening to Lohengrin by Wagner. I'm your host Keely Heron,
1: and I'm Grant Wright.
0: And we're uh, taking a look at uh, opera in its historical context. And so, what we've been listening to is uh, the the White Knight, the Knight in shining armor, who has come to fight. For Elsa's honor, so that she can lay claim to the Duchy of Brabant, um, who which is being challenged uh, by her evil uncle Frederick of Talbermund. It's Always and those evil
1: uncles you got to watch out for. Really? It's, oh, yeah. well yes. No, it's Any true. Stories?
0: There, it, it's a, it's like a convention. <laughs> uh, and then you have the Funkle and the Drunkle, mm-hmm. and then the evil uncle. Right. I'd take a funkel or a drunkle any day over the evil uncle. But anyway, so we've been listening to uh, Heil König Heinrich," which is is basically "Hail King Henry," and this is the, the White Knight expressing his allegiance to the king. Yeah, which is
1: you know putting everyone a little bit more at ease because mysterious champions rising up out of the river. You have to John by a swan, nonetheless. A little bit that had to be a really really realm.
0: big swan.
1: It would have to be a very powerful swan.
0: Yeah. Very large to carry a full-grown man, especially yes. if he was wearing armor.
1: It's almost like there's something unusual about this swan, which we'll discover later.
0: There's something really weird about that swan.
1: That swan. I'm I'm not sure I, uh, I trust that swan.
0: I don't generally t- trust swans. If they're anything like geese, mm. geese are mean, man. They bite.
1: Yeah, I don't know if swans are nicer than geese. I know they're prettier.
0: They are. I don't... I'm getting distracted. Okay, okay. So, so, so the the mysterious white knight is saying, "Okay, hey, it's cool. Don't worry. I'm I'm a good guy. I think you're the best, King Henry." And then what happens?
1: And uh, you know, then everybody's kind of like, uh, "Friedrich, you might not want to do this whole trial by combat thing with the guy who did- appeared magically out of the mist. That seems kind of dangerous." But the swan. And Friedrich's like, no, I got this. I, I, I win these fights all the time. You know, sometimes the guy stumbles out of the tavern. Sometimes the guy comes out of the lake drawn by a swan. Sometimes the guy steps out of his hotel room door. I just like every fight I'm ever in, I win.
0: Right. Yeah. Because that's just his deal. He's a, he's a, he's a fighter. Yeah. Um, so before the end of Act One... After Lohengrin is done uh, telling the king how awesome he is, and everybody's like, "Ooh, Frederick, maybe you don't want to fight," um, what what else happens?
1: Uh, I mean, basically,
0: they fight. <laughs> basically, they fight, and and um, so really, to close out Act One here, we're just going to listen to um, the king telling these guys, "You're going to fight, and whoever wins this battle, um." has the right to the duchy, right, and to be the leader.
1: As a related thing, uh, she when uh, when Elsa agrees for the mysterious knight to be her champion, she agrees to marry him, um, enthusiastically agrees to marry him, and uh, also agrees to never, ever ask his name or his origin.
0: Right. And so- this is like, this is the story. It, every opera we listen to, there's something weird like that. There's some <laughs> kind of a test or a, a challenge that's seemingly impossible, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it seems like it would be tricky to be married to someone not knowing their name.
0: Right. Because you'd just be like, hey, you. <laughs> oh, guy. You're just s- such a super guy.
1: Like, what do you even put him under on your contacts in your phone?
0: Yeah. Lover. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Are you allowed to ask his phone number or his email address? I, I don't know. know.
0: I mean, I guess maybe you do, They, you just maybe you just maybe the swan knows. <laughs> just Checking ask on the swan. Ask the swan. Okay, so so let's, let's get to the to the next big aria, which is Mein Herr und Gott. I know my German is my horrible.
1: Lord and God, I call upon you to be present at this fight. Proclaim through the swords victory a verdict that shows what is deceit and what is truth. So saith the king.
0: King Henry laying it down. Okay, so the guys are getting ready to fight. King Henry's like, "This is what's going to happen." And then whoever wins, if 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 the White Knight wins, then he and Elsa get married, and she can never ask him his name. And but then they become like the Duke and Duchess of Bravant. And um, if if Frederick wins, then he and and the evil pagan goddess, hey. worshiping Ortrud. Yeah would become duke and duchess. Uh yeah, pretty much. Stakes are high. All right. Let's have a listen to Mein Herr und Gott, Nun ich dich. And this is King Hen- Henrik, uh Elsa, the mysterious knight and Ortrud and probably a couple other people singing about how they're going to fight <laughs> and everybody wants to win. Here on Opera for Everyone. Listening to Wagner's Lohengrin on eighty nine one KHL.
4: Oh no! Come
0: Wow. You're listening to Lohengrin by Wagner on Opera for Everyone on 891 KHOL, and that was the end of Act One. I'm your host, Keeley Heron, and I'm here with my co-host. Right, right. And we're taking a look at uh, Lohengrin in its historical context, and so we've just completed the, um, the first act of the opera, and... Grant, would you mind bringing us up to speed? What's just happened?
1: So our heroic knight in shining armor has just defeated the legendary warrior, uh, Frederick. Friedrich, depending on exactly how German you're feeling at any one moment. And, um... <laughs>
0: Friedrich.
1: <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm terrified to know what how, you know, a German person actually says Lohengrin, but, um... I looked it up in the pronunciation guides, and some people apparently say Lohengrin, and, and some people say low and green. Um
0: mm.
1: I'm saying Lohengrin, though, because that I'll go with that. That that looks more like how it's spelled, which mm-hmm. I'm sure is right. Is German always yeah sensible? No, there?
0: I mean most languages. You just look at them, and then you just pronounce them kind of how they seem like they should be pronounced.
1: Yeah, that's that's how I do French. That's mm-hmm. why and then I'm you so just endure
0: the ridicule of people who know better. But you know what? That's <laughs> just, that's fine. That's okay.
1: Yeah, so, uh, so he's, uh, Lohengrin's defeated, uh, Frederick, and he has won the affections of the beautiful, I want to call her a princess. She's, of course, now a duchess, is what she is. She's a duchess. And he, you know, has proven her innocence, and as a result, uh, Friedrich and his wife, Ortrude, have been cast out for their, uh
0: well because he's a big loser he lost <laughs> so the king and elsa and the knight and everybody everybody mm-hmm. is like okay frederick you're a big loser you take your pagan worshiping wife and get the heck out of the dukedom right yeah basically well, they just put him outside the castle they're just like on the other side of the moat being lonely by themselves
1: you don't want to be on the other side of the
0: moat you don't want to be on the well, you don't want to be in the moat that would Sure, that's true. That's even worse.
1: So yeah, uh, but he Lohengrin has has spared uh, Frederick. That's that's part of the. What, what so he defeated
0: here. him, but he didn't kill him. Yeah. So exactly. his trial by combat, and then he basically just wrestles him to the ground, gets the sword at his throat, and then Frederick of Telramund, the evil uncle, cries uncle. He's yeah. like, okay, I give up. I give up. I I relinquish my claims to the to the duchy.
1: Which is good because in the stage directions here. There's actually a moment where right after uh, the sword has been pointed at Frederick's throat that all of the onlookers, who are, of course, Frederick's fighting buddies, they all draw their swords because they're, you know.
0: They're going to defend their friend.
1: They're uh, thinking they might have to defend their friend. and uh, But, no, Lohrgren is is honorable and chivalrous and lets his defeated adversary escape with his miserable life. And he runs off with the princess, and I'm sure that that defeated adversary will never cause any more
0: problems ever Mm-mm. again. No, no, there's no foreshadowing there. Yeah. So that's the end of of, of uh, Act One, and do we want to talk a little bit about what is going to happen in Act Two? Yeah. So uh, what's the 140 character Twitter version, Grant?
1: <laughs> oh dear, that's a, that's a that's a tricky it's a tricky prompt. Um, Basically, Act Two is about the plots that Ortrude and Frederick come up with to try and get back at, um, at Lohengrin. At and Elsa. Elsa.
0: All uh, right. And so let's just go ahead and listen to the introduction to Act Two. And we know that Act Two opens in the castle courtyard before dawn. And Ortrud and the lamenting Telramund swear vengeance. Should we just listen to that? Go for it. <laughs> All right. So this is the the very beginning of Act Two in Wagner's *Lohengrin*, and you're listening to opera for everyone on eighty nine one You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL, and today we're listening to Lohengrin by Wagner. We've just begun the introduction to Act 2 as we move into the second hour of the program. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on Khol 89.1 Jackson. And this morning we're listening to Wagner's Lohengrin. And we're just at the very beginning of Act Two. And we're listening to the introduction. And this is a 1968 recording from the uh, Vienna Philharmonic conducted by Richard Kemp. And as we move into Act Two, we are outside. I guess the gates of the castle, right where the um, the Duke and Duchess of Brabant had had lived, and now uh, Elsa, who uh, was the heir to the throne, had been challenged by her evil uncle Friedrich of Telramund, and basically had a dream that a white knight came to rescue her, and it actually came to pass that this white knight appeared on the banks of the water (laughs) carried uh on on a boat by drawn by a swan Mm. and um and now uh he fought for her he defeated evil frederick and um and now frederick and his wife have been banished and that's how we begin act two and what's What's happening here, Grant? We're, we're going to listen to the song Erhebe dich genossen schmack, which means?
1: Uh, arise, companion in my disgrace. It's uh, it's Frederick and, and Ortrud, mm-hmm. uh, who are pretty, pretty down and out about the whole... They're bummed.
0: Yeah. Because they're not going to be Duke and Duchess.
1: Yeah, and they've been kind of cast out of the uh, favor of the king, and they are trying to figure out what they're going to do and what they're going to do. They're going to get back.
0: Mm -hmm. They're going to get revenge. Uh,
1: Brought them here. And uh, they start out kind of just sniffing at each other. And then they decide that what they're going to do is try and convince uh, poor princess, or I suppose Duchess Elsa, that she must betray her vow to the Swan Knight and instead ask him where he is from and, uh, you know, what his name is, what his identity is. And, um...
0: Yeah, they're like, Elsa, what are you doing? You're going to marry this guy? You don't even know his name. You don't know where he's from. You don't know anything about him. The only thing you know is that he is a good fighter and he defeated Frederick and he showed up on a boat drawn by a swan. Like, really? And you're going to marry him. And yeah. you're, the du- you're the duchess and then he's going to be the duke. It- does this seem like a reasonable plan to you? Yeah.
1: And it's and it's, it's you know that's a fair point, and uh, you know this, this whole act is is building up to the wedding with um, with uh, Elsa and the and Knight
0: of the Swan, the Swan Knight, and who so. remains nameless. He's yes. just like the the Swan guy.
1: And uh, I, I think I think when we eventually get to that wedding, you'll probably recognize the uh, right the, the famous bridal the chorus, famous
0: yes, that we all know.
1: Every every wedding since then has mm-hmm. in, in, imitated that one, so it must have been quite a wedding. But um, yeah, it's it's sort of a, I don't know, it's sort of a, an interesting thing that they're trying to convince her to you know not marry him or to be concerned that he may not actually believe she's innocent. Maybe he thinks that she offed her brother. and
0: That the knight might think that she killed her brother. Yeah, but so he they're was like... just
1: there because he loved her and it had nothing to do with justice. And oh. He didn't really believe in her. He was just, you know, kind of thought she was cute.
0: Or maybe he just wanted to be the duke.
1: Or maybe he just wanted to be the duke. Although, in Act 2, he actually is asked the question, you know, would you like to be called duke? And he, he says, no, I want to be called protector. Oh. He doesn't want to be called the,
0: the Duke. of... that sounds uh, kind of creepy in a way. But <laughs> um, okay, so getting back to the music, we're listening right now to Frederick and Ortrud basically arguing with each other, right? Yeah. And then and then this next song is is a continuation. Actually, Ortrud and Friedrich are arguing for quite a long time in Act One or Act Two, Scene One. Um and what else is gonna is gonna happen here? Are they just gonna continue to argue and and talk about what they're gonna do?
1: Yeah, well, they 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 decide that they're going to uh, the you know they decide they're going to fight against the people who have you know wronged them or however you want to uh, call that.
3: They're
0: not going down without a fight. Yeah. All right. Well, let's have a listen. We're, now we're going to listen to Was macht dich in so wilder Klage doch werge. I don't know. I don't I give up. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, but this is Ortrud and Frederick arguing outside of Neuschwanstein Castle about how they're going to uh, reassert their claim to the Duchy of Brabant In Wagner's Lohengrin, on Opera for Everyone, you're listening to 89.1 KHOL.
4: To the shari,
0: You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1KHOL. This morning, we're listening to Lohengrin Grin by Wagner. And uh, I'm Keeley Heron. I'm here with my esteemed colleague, Mr. Grant Wright. Hi, Grant.
1: <laughs> Hello, Keeley.
0: Thanks for all your help, Grant. What would I do? How would I do this program without you? <laughs> we were just talking during the break about uh, the parallel between ELSA and uh the other tragic lover orfeo yeah and we had listened to that opera a couple weeks ago that was the first opera ever written
1: yeah it's um or you know i mean people debate exactly when but like it's it's very close to the, the first thing and it's like this it's uh it's taking an old legend and elsa's sort of a parallel character cuz she similarly has this you know gift from the gods of a You know, person she's very in love with, Mm -hmm. um, who's got this supernatural quality. Mm -hmm. But she's got this one rule. She Mm -hmm. can't ask who he is. Just like Orpheus can't ask, you know, or can't look. uh, Back at at her.
0: Eurydice. Exactly. As he leads her out of the underworld from the, what was his name? Sarastro? The evil Sarastro. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Am I I mixing him up?
1: You're you're mixing up magic flute there.
0: Oh, crap. (laughs) Who is the evil one keeping Eurydice?
1: Uh, well, Pluto, the you know god of the underworld, Hades.
0: Hades, right? Okay, all right. Mixing up all my mythological characters. <laughs> thanks, thanks for straightening that out, Grant. Okay, so what are what are the parallels there between Elsa and Orfeo, and what what are, what else is going to happen here in Act Two?
1: So, uh, yeah, I think the the parallels is, is in this song. She's singing about how like she used to be so sad and depressed, and life mm-hmm. was really hard for her. Mm-hmm. And now her heart is filled with gladness and she praises the same skies, the heavens that seemed to be so indifferent to her plight previously. And um, this, you know, says something about who she is as a person, right? That she was very sad until this fellow came along, but also that he has brought light to her life. And Orpheus has a very similar song in the beginning of I want to say, act two Mm. of uh, Laura Feo, where he sings, you know, to the... I don't actually remember what characters precisely, but he sings generally that he used to be always sad and kind of mopey, that artistic sort of moody type, and now he's
3: filled with joy. He's transformed.
0: So here at the... uh... We're still near the beginning of Act two, and what we're hearing here underneath uh us blabbering on about opera stuff is uh the characters Friedrich and ortrude who are have been banished from the the castle um after being defeated by the the Knight of the swan um and they're they're just hanging around down there below the window, being like, Hey, brought <laughs> you some soup. Um And Elsa's Elsa's hanging out in her bedroom and she's super excited about getting married to this Knight of the Swan, this mysterious man who's transformed her life and now they're gonna get married and live happily ever after and be Duke and Duchess and blah 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 blah. And uh and we're coming up on one of the next um Great arias of, of this opera, which is Uklüften die mein Klagen. And what did you say that meant, Grant?
1: Uh, Ye heavens so oft filled, I love these translations. Ye heavens so oft filled with my sad laments, now I must gratefully tell you of the happiness that is mine.
0: Right. And then my version, which I just put into the Google Translate <laughs> thing, is You air those my complaining.
1: And that's the problem with Google Translate. Yeah, they don't ever have the word "ye" show up in translation. I know. Feels like something's missing.
0: It something is definitely missing. I really <laughs> like. I prefer your uh, description. So this is um, this is uh, sort of near the beginning of Act Two of Wagner's *Lohengrin*, um, and we're going to listen to Elsa of Brabant, a young woman, daughter of the Duke, standing on the balcony of her room in the fortress of Antwerp. And she's excited by the thought of her rapidly approaching marriage, and she's thanking uh, the forces that have brought her joy.
1: Yeah, and, and specifically she she thanks, uh, repeatedly she thanks the Christian God, which is incensing Ortrude, who... Uh,
0: Who's a pagan worshiper.
1: Who, yeah, who, you know, as soon as Elsa turns and walks away, Ortrude says... Ye gods, profane, help me now in my revenge, and and invokes Freya and and Odin specifically as the gods of strength and deceit and hypocrisy.
0: Right, and that's what we're hearing right now. Right, yeah. is is Ortrud basically being like, "I'm gonna kill that one." <laughs> this is. Let's actually, you want to listen to this for a little bit, Grant? Yeah, for sure. So this is just uh, Ortrud just thinking about how she can get rid of Elsa because Elsa's just like a she's like a goody-goody, right? Orchard thinks Elsa's a goody-goody, kind of. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's have a little bit of a listen to that and then we're going to transition into uh, um, Elsa's famous aria from Act 2 in Wagner's Lohengrin on Opera for Everyone. You're listening to 89.1 Khol. This is Opera for Everyone, and this morning on Opera for Everyone, we're listening to Wagner's *Lohengrin*, and we're in the, I guess, sort of the middle of Act Two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we've just heard Elsa sort of thanking the the Christian gods for all of the good fortune that she's had, which incenses the evil pagan worshipping Ortrud, and Elsa's evil uncle Friedrich of towermund who has been banished and defeated and is plotting his revenge and what's what's gonna happen next grant uh,
1: so uh, they start to execute these these various plans but uh, before that there's this this song that uh, Friedrich sings where he says you know basically that he's... He he thinks this is all a bad idea, really. (laughs) Yeah. He thinks that Orchard is to blame for the situation he's in now. He thinks that Orchard's plans aren't necessarily the best plans. But at the same time, he thinks that Orchard's plans are the only way he has of getting back at the Swan Knight. Yes. He wants to ruin
0: that guy. So, quick question, Grant O'Ye of many knowledgeable nuggets. Is Friedrich also a pagan worshipper, or is he on the fence? Is he a yeah, Christian?
1: He's—I mean—he's nominally a Christian. I mean, mm-hmm. all—you know—these people are all nominally Christians, right? Uh, It's—you know—they're they're keeping it under the radar, under the rap, uh, under wraps if they're if they're not. But um, but yeah, I mean, I actually think that it, what he represents in Wagner's cultural context mm-hmm. is he um, represents these people who are—you know—German nationalists, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's a defender of Germany. He's fought for. His duchies fought for Bavaria, he's fought for Germany against uh, the Dane, and he is allied with the Saxons. He, he represents the sort of German nationalistic impulse, which we talked about in, in Townhouser is, is an impulse that's kind of torn between the Christian tradition and this uh, pagan tradition. Mm-hmm. But there are these this Germanic religion that gets uplifted sometimes as the German ideal of warrior culture and being strong and, um, you know, it it eventually, of course, comes to its kind of terrible, you could call it a, you know, a wretched parody or you could call it whatever you wish, but in the 20th century uh, with the Nazi party, um, this glorification of warrior culture and machismo. Right. What we
0: today might call toxic masculinity.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That idea of just might makes right. Right. And and so on and so forth. And that's, that's, um, you know, to people like uh, Nietzsche, who was at at, at a time, at this time, in fact, um, an admirer of Wagner's, that was a, a wonderful thing. That was great. Right. But... Wagner isn't so sure. And later on in his life, he becomes quite convinced that that's not the right answer. You
0: know, Grant, I just have to tell you that 50% of the time, I understand about 50% of what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I really do need to read up on Nietzsche because I know nothing about about Nietzsche other than that he was sort of eccentric and had really extreme views.
1: He's an interesting person. I mean, uh, he, he had this... Well, really, he had a lot of a lot of interesting ideas, and it would be uh, difficult for me to summarize them in any uh, in a Twitter in, in any 140 character. I mean, in
0: tweet. I think he would have
1: tweeted, but I think he would have tweeted stuff that people would have read and thought, "Huh, like what what's going on there?" Obtuse. Yeah, I mean, you know, to be editorial for a second, I think Nietzsche's is a fascinating character because I think he's wrong about everything, which is as impressive as being right about everything. <laughs>
0: You're throwing down the gauntlet, right?
1: You have to be really working at it to be as wrong about everything as Nietzsche. And and then, like, I actually think there's a lot of insight in being as wrong as Nietzsche is about everything. Um, Now, I am aware that there are uh, many people, including a lot of people who I intellectually respect, who would disagree firmly with me on that, and I would welcome their debate. But basically, Nietzsche...
0: (laughs) And if you are one of those people and you're listening, you can call (laughs) 307... At any rate, okay, so Grant.
1: It's, it's a pre recorded show, calling in won't
0: do I, any good. This is but true. if you'd
1: like to write me angry emails about it, you can.
0: <sighs> so so let's get back. So Nietzsche is a contemporary of Wagner.
1: And, and he's, he's, he's somewhat younger, and he, he saw Wagner as a kind of mentor figure uh-huh. um, until Wagner's later uh, phases.
0: Until he started turning into a grumpy old man. Because Wagner lived to be 70, which at that time was kind of old.
1: Uh, yeah, and and um, you know Nietzsche didn't exactly have a short life, but uh, he did have the issue of uh, well, uh, he slipped from lucidity, which is I suppose a nice way of saying he went insane um, later in his life. Wagner did. No, uh, uh, Nietzsche did. Oh, Nietzsche
0: did. Wagner was always insane. <laughs> True. <laughs> All right. So what was the what was the track that we were going to listen to here, Grant? We were going we to hear Friedrich. It. Yeah talking about uh, getting revenge, basically.
1: Yeah, which is, so, which is a, a deep part of this German warrior culture thing, right? That if someone wrongs you, you have to pay them back. Uh, and in fact, they sometimes allowed people to literally pay them back. Like you paid gold because you killed someone in someone else's family. Vergeld, man gold.
0: Man gold. Yeah. That sounds like some kind of a... I'm not even going to go there. Um, I curious where you were going. I don't uh, know. I was thinking like sandwich spread or (laughs) I I don't know. Okay. At any rate, uh, about halfway through uh, act two of Wagner's Lohengrin an opera for everyone. And um, we're going to listen to Friedrich, the evil uncle of Princess Elsa, or now Duchess Elsa. And he is going to sing... um, his tale of revenge and the the german is so zeit das unheil in this house and what does that mean grant
1: thus does misfortune enter this house dun, dun,
0: dun. <laughs> all right let's go to that let's have a listen
4: will, ich euch kund. Drum achtet wohl, was euch durch mich er sagt. In Bann und Acht ist Friedrich Tellramund weil untreu er den Gotteskampf gewagt ein noch friedt wer sich zu ihm gesellt nach reiches recht
0: Listening to opera for Everyone on 891KHOL. I'm Keely Heron here with my co host, Grant Wright. Hi, Grant. Hi, Keely. Uh, so, we're listening to Lohengrin by Wagner, and uh, we're going to get to the end of Act Two so that we can uh, sadly let Grant go because he's got to run, and then I'm going to flail around <laughs> and try and <laughs> figure out what the heck is going on throughout the rest of the opera. But as we're listening to um, sort of the the noblemen, the soldiers, the heralds, the people, townspeople, they're all getting ready for Elsa's wedding to the Knight of the Swan, and they're all kind of talking about how he came in, out of nowhere, this legendary guy, we don't know what he, who he is or anything, and, and he defeated Friedrich of Telramund, and now they're going to get married, um, and he and and Elsa will become the Duke and Duchess of Brabant. And what else is going to happen before we move on to Act 3?
1: So, Ortrude and uh, and, and Friedrich uh, both make attempts to stop all of this, right? Or to at least plant doubts in um, in Elsa's minds. And they don't succeed in stopping the wedding by any means, or getting low arrested or anything like that. But they do managed to convince Elsa that there's something a little strange going on. She, Elsa's trying to be loyal and faithful to this person who rescued her, but, like, she doesn't really know anything about him. He just showed up on a swan-driven boat. <laughs> oh, okay. It's like I don't a bad know.
0: amusement park ride.
1: I, yeah, I just, I, I, I there's only so much trust I have on, strain, for strangers who uh, show up in swan-driven boats, but maybe I'm not as trusting as I should be.
0: There's all those pool floaties right now that are shaped like swans, very, Which, very yeah. popular.
1: Yeah, um, they were
0: probably inspired by this opera.
1: <laughs> they they might well be. I mean, it's a beautiful image, really.
0: I'd love to be floating on a on a swan floaty in a pool right now. Yeah, with a fruity drink.
1: That sounds delightful.
0: But that's not what we're talking about right now. <laughs> I digress. So, okay, so Grant, before you before you scoot out of here, help 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 me get to the beginning of Act Three, which is the the big like dun, dun, you know like the big um, famous.
1: Yeah, we've all we've all heard we've it. We've all heard it. Yeah, um, it's one. Of, it's maybe the most famous bit of music in any bit of opera right i be, i bet it's more recognizable than say ride of the valkyries or
0: i wouldn't you know, argue with that
1: yeah i think i think probably the wedding march is what uh the most the most recognizable bit of opera music out there
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and that's saying something so uh so yeah uh that's 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 coming up here but um but yeah uh so uh friedrich uh, accuses the Knight of the swan Lohengrin, of Sorcery that he didn't win fairly in that mm-hmm. fight, and instead he, you know, it doesn't really count because it wasn't it wasn't a fair fight. Um, hilariously, of course, the king and his sycophantic courier, courtiers they all were on Friedrich's side earlier, in spite of all evidence that Friedrich was a bad guy mm-hmm. because Friedrich was strong. He was strong and he could fight. Um, and now they've got this new guy who's stronger and can fight better. And so they, they they have no desire to believe the accuser because they're like, hey.
0: They're we... like, we got a shiny object over here that has attracted our attention and you're just, you lost,
1: buddy. Yeah. Um, now, not everyone's on board with this. There are four knights who sign on uh, with Friedrich, but mostly because they have gotten kind of shafted by... The policies that the new protector of Robin is, uh has has put into place, and um,
0: <laughs> so the Knight of the Swan is like, "Yeah, I'm gonna need you to come in on Saturday."
1: <laughs> right, like, the kingdom's under attack, and he's like, "You guys gotta gotta pitch in," and they're like, "Did but... you read
0: the TPS report?"
1: Say like yeah, we we had a we got we had a golf game schedule. We don't want to come in.
0: Right, they're not they're not pleased, so they're gonna hang with Friedrich, and um. But and
1: ultimately, with Friedrich, they're going to attempt to uh, kill the Knight of the Swan, which you know is gonna go about as well as you think it
0: would. <laughs> they're not gonna win. Okay, so anything else that we need to talk about in in Act Act Two? Do we want to just let's go ahead before you. Uh, before you skedaddle Grant and talk about uh, what and what happens at the end of act 2 scene five we'll go out on that
1: so yeah uh, uh, basically what happens is that the uh, that uh, ortrud and Friedrich uh, try to intimidate Elsa and to frighten her out of the whole thing but uh, Lohengrin sees them try to do this and says, "Be gone!" and is able to force them to depart. He consoles Elsa, but uh, Elsa's she's a little shaken up by this whole episode. It's a little it's a little weird what's going on here, and mm-hmm. she. She she's like,
0: I'm going to marry this guy. I'm not really sure. He's yeah. got a swan. His best friend's a swan. Literally
1: don't know his name. Best friend's a swan. Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, she's doing what she can, but she's uh, she's got a little bit of an eyebrow raise here.
0: Mm-hmm. So at the end of Act 5, the the last song in the end of, excuse me, Act 2, Scene 5, is In Deiner Hand, In Deiner Treu. And... The Google translation of that is "In your hand, in your faithful," which doesn't make any sense to me. But
1: um, yeah, it's it's uh, "Reach us your hand." We faithfully believe that your name is noble, even if it is never uttered. It's the the men of the town are expressing their complete faith in Lowengrin, uh, and they they're they're completely going to trust him, mostly because that guy's really good with the sword.
0: Good enough for me. All right. Let's listen to that on Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. You're listening to Lohengrin by Wagner on Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. We're coming up on the most famous song of this opera, and arguably one of the most famous songs in opera. It's known as The Wedding March, and as we move into this song, Elsa The Duchess of Brabant in Antwerp, near, near Antwerp, around 900 A.D., is about to marry the Knight of the Swan, and everyone's at the church, and they're getting ready to celebrate the wedding of Elsa to the Knight of the Swan. So we've just heard um, what's largely referred to as uh, the Wedding March in Wagner's Lohengrin, and um, we are truly doing opera for everyone now because Grant has left the building, and I'm um, left to my own devices to try and make sense of the rest of Act Three and uh, move the plot along. So um, Lohengrin and Elsa are now married. They're in her bridal chamber, and um, as many of... um, The operas that we've listened to um, have some sort of a test for their main character. And Elsa's test is to not ask Lohengrin's name. Um, That's the only condition of their their marriage. And now that they're alone in the bridal chamber, she can't help herself. And she asks him his name. And at that very moment, um, Frederick, her uncle, and his henchmen break into the... To the essentially the honeymoon suite, um, and um, so Elsa helps um, her knight defeat Frederick, and he he's actually killed, um, and and so it's this huge culmination.